0: Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, April 22nd, 2019. Broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will react to all of the latest in the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs, including the Celtics sweep in the Indiana paces on a Sunday. A four-game clean sweep for the season. Now they go to the second round and will play the winner of Milwaukee and Detroit. But I think we all know it's going to be Milwaukee. And the Bucks actually have a chance to sweep Detroit tonight on this Monday night. So uh, we'll look back at the Celtics paces series and the sweep that was. And also look ahead to the celtics Bucks series Which is what we're all expecting here in the second round of the NBA playoffs. And in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Bruins. Here in Boston, we are focused on the Bruins forcing a game seven. This will be tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday night at the TD Garden here in Boston. The Bruins went into Toronto on Sunday and won game six to force this game seven. So a huge game seven between the Bruins and the Maple Leafs on Tuesday night. We'll get into that. Also, over the weekend. The Red Sox had a big weekend, their biggest weekend of the season so far, and they needed something like this. They went into Tampa Bay, and they swept the Rays. Three games in Tampa Bay, the Red Sox win all three. However, there is some injury concern with a pretty important player to this team. I will explain that injury and the impact it may have on the Red Sox going forward, but there's no denying this was a huge weekend for the Red Sox in Tampa Bay with that sweep and this week is NFL draft week the NFL draft is this Thursday night in primetime you're going to get rounds 2 and 3 on Friday night and then rounds 4 through 7 on Saturday so Thursday Friday Saturday the NFL draft who will the Patriots take in the first round if they actually make that first round pick and don't trade back. They have the number 32 overall pick, as you know. And if they take anyone at all, I will tell you what position I think they will target. I don't have a specific player for this position. I just don't. And I think if you, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that do the mock drafts and they like to put a name next to the team. With the Patriots, it's just so difficult. I think it's a little easier if you're talking about a team that has maybe a top three pick but if you're 30, 31, 32 overall, it's pretty tough to do. I will at least give you the position I think the Patriots will select the player at number 32, if they even make number 32. So we'll take a look at the NFL Draft today. All of it presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the perfect place to make your bets on everything in the world of sports, and there's a lot to bet on right now. You got playoff hockey, playoff basketball, Regular season baseball. I know people love to put some money on on either a good fight or a, a big golf tournament. So make all of those bets at betonline.ag. And you should sign up today by using promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of PODCAST1 Sportsnet. BetOnline.ag. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C. At DraftKings, you will not get bored with daily fantasy baseball. And I mentioned the word bored because if you're playing in a regular fantasy baseball league here in 2019 in which you have to put together the same Line up every night. You have the same team every single day. Unless you make some type of crazy trade or you drop someone or add someone, it's not that exciting. Put it this way. It's not anywhere close to as exciting as picking a new team and putting together a new lineup every single day. Well, at DraftKings and their daily fantasy baseball, you can have a new team every single day with a chance to win every single night. And again, play for free by signing up using promo code PICK. P-I-C. Do it right now at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show on this Monday, April 22nd, as we get deeper into some playoff hockey and playoff basketball. As I record this show today, uh, both the Celtics and the Bruins here in Boston. Locally, you know, that's where our focus is for the most part. Both teams still alive. And the Bruins stayed alive, as I told you in the intro, to Forza Game 7. I do think, though, the biggest story is the Celtics. Because, and even though we, we all expected the Celtics to beat Indiana, like, is there anybody that thought the Celtics was going to lose? Did, did anyone think they were going to lose to Indiana? Did anyone think the Celtics were going to lose to the Pacers? I don't think so. If you did, I, I, I think, you know, y- you need to try and get a little more optimistic. I mean, the Pacers were without their best player uh, in Victor Oladipo. Yeah, even after they lost Oladipo, they had some guys step up. But I told you at the beginning of the series, after game one, Indiana, and I told you really going into the series, but after, especially after game one, I said, the Pacers have no business winning this series. I could see a sweep. I could see the Celtics winning it in five. Celtics win it in a sweep. They win game four in Indiana on Sunday, 110-106. to They do it on a day in which Kyrie Irving was not at his best. And with Kyrie Irving not at his best, Gordon Haywood stepped up with twenty points. Gordon Haywood had twenty points to lead the team and uh now it's on to the second round, and it's probably on to Milwaukee. Milwaukee can sweep they can beat Detroit in game four tonight on this Monday night, and they probably will. They've been whooping the Pistons. So it's going to be Milwaukee and Boston in the second round. And I think this is the top story, a bigger story than what what's going on with the Bruins. You know, Game 7's a huge, there's no question. And there's nothing more exciting than a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But from a storyline perspective, I think all of the drama that was built up with the Celtics all year long to get to this point where you look this good and this deep in the playoffs to sweep a first round series. And now go up against the one seed in the second round. And, you know, I think you get a lot of people around the NBA today who are asking the question, not just can the Celtics get out of the East. I think a lot of people around the NBA today are asking the question, can the Celtics win the NBA championship this year? And it's a question that, you know, I think the biggest optimists in this town may be still thought of as the season went on because, you know, you knew what they had, but, um, you know, there was so much drama and at times it just looked, it just looked like this team was not on the same page on the court. And then with things they were saying off the court, you know, it looks like, it looked like the coach was, was frustrated. And, uh, you know, we, we really, we were looking ahead to next year and the year after and not necessarily what could happen maybe in april may or june with this team this year uh, it, there was just so much that went on you know we 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 questioned guys um we criticized kyrie irving so much we criticized the coach uh we criticized maybe some of the kids who couldn't get over the the fact that kyrie and gordon haywood were back and they weren't getting the You know, they didn't have the same role that they had last year around this time. I mean, how much—can you remember how much negative Celtics talk we had all season long? We had a lot. And I'm not saying it wasn't justified. I think it was. I think it was for good reason. But with all that, now all of a sudden, Celtics are in the second round, and I I don't think we're asking ourselves, can they beat Milwaukee? I think we're asking ourselves, can they beat Golden State? You know, you look at the Western Conference. Is Golden State going to get to the NBA championship? Probably. Probably. I mean, there's one thing about the NBA playoffs— That you cannot say about the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's the NBA playoffs are so predictable, it's not even funny. They are. They're predictable. I mean, look around the playoffs right now. Right? Look on the East. Milwaukee, up 3-0 in Detroit. They're going to sweep the Pistons. Or they're at least going to beat the Pistons in five if they don't sweep. Celtics, they sweep the Pacers. Uh, Philly, they got a little scare from Brooklyn. And they got some drama in that series with Jared Dudley. But... Philly's up three one on Brooklyn, as they should be. Toronto, they're up three one on Orlando. Any surprises there? No. Over in the West, Golden State up three oh excuse me, up three one on the Clippers. Uh Houston up three oh on Utah. Houston's got a chance to sweep tonight on this Monday night. Portland's up 3-1 on Oklahoma City. Now, Portland's a 3-seed. Oklahoma City is the 6-seed. I actually had picked Oklahoma City to get to the Western Conference Finals as a 6-seed. I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Oklahoma City, I watched this game on Sunday, this game 4 against Portland, and Oklahoma City just, they can't play defense for their life. They can't. They needed a couple stops. You know, it was like they kept, kept it within 10, within 9 and 8, and they needed just... One or two big stops to gain some momentum, and they just couldn't do it. They can't play defense. Oklahoma City, I I don't, you know, I got that one wrong. But Portland's the three seed, and they're going to beat the six seed. I think a lot of people probably picked that to happen. Then you get Denver San Antonio, that series tied at 2. Does anyone really care about that series and if you do see Popovich lead his team as a 7 seed past the 2 seeded Nuggets, will anyone really be surprised? Probably not. There are not many surprises in the NBA playoffs. Now the Stanley Cup playoffs is the complete opposite. You have you have drama all over the place. Both one seeds in the playoffs, the one seed in the East, Tampa Bay, and the one seed in the West, Calgary, they've both been eliminated in the first round. Tampa Bay was swept by the eight seed Columbus Blue Jackets, and Calgary, the one seed in the West, they lost to the eight seed Colorado Avalanche in five games. So that is the equivalent of Golden State losing to the Clippers in five games. And Milwaukee getting swept by the Pistons. Neither of those two things are even possible to to come close to happening. So it's just it's it's completely different when it comes to predictability. Um, the NBA playoffs are just so much more predictable than the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, you know, so as we as we sit here and now predict what happens for the Celtics. I think we predict that the West is going to be Golden State, right? Is that an easy prediction? Is Houston going to be Golden State in the second round? I think they'll give them a series. I don't think they'll beat them. And, you know, is either Portland or Denver or San Antonio going to be Golden State in the Western Conference Finals? It's Golden State going to go to the NBA Finals. They're going to the NBA Finals. Who will they play in the East? Right now, here in this town with this Celtics team, we're asking the question, all right, can can they get there? Can they get there? I mean, is this... Can they get there? Is this Celtics team going to win a championship after everything we've talked about? Everything we've stressed about? This is why the Kyrie Irving stuff all year long was such a tough conversation to have. But from, from my perspective, and I've said this many times on the show, like, I do not want Kyrie Irving... To leave the Celtics. I want them to sign him. I've said it all year long. Even with the some of the stupid stuff that he said. Even at times he frustrates you with that stuff. And his, his attitude, his personality. It's just... It's, at times this season, Kyrie Irving was a tough guy to root for. And I, I compared it to David Price because... When you look at David Price with the Red Sox, and you're even seeing him this season with David Price. David Price had another great outing over the weekend. And I'll, I'll get to the Red Sox, and I'll get to the Red Sox weekend. But David Price, you know, going back to the playoffs last year, I mean, we know what David Price is capable of. So, when when, when he just, the things that come out of his mouth that you just scratch your head and you're like, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Oh, his personality is tough to like. Um, I don't understand his attitude but it's it's just you understand what that player is capable of doing right so it's a it's a tricky situation to be in as a fan because you don't really want to run him out of town cuz you know if if he plays up to his potential the team can, the team needs him to win and the same can go for Kyrie Irving it's like at times this season just he was a tough guy to root for because of his personality and the things that he was saying and uh But you know that if the Celtics want a chance to win a championship, they're going to need Kyrie Irving. And I don't care what you say about last year's team without Kyrie and without Gordon Haywood going to the Eastern Conference Finals, going to Game 7 of the East Finals, and obviously they ran into LeBron. You know what? The Celtics, they they were not going to beat Golden State with that team last year. They just weren't going to do it. The only way the Celtics can beat Golden State is if they have a player like Kyrie Irving. Who, all right, he didn't have a great game for, but you had another guy and Gordon Hayward step up and make up for that. And how many guys did they have in double figures? Six, seven? I mean, the Celtics are a deep team and they're led by a Kyrie Irving who in the playoffs for the most part is dominant. And I don't know if there's a better finisher in, in the league than Kyrie Irving in the big moment. Like, is there? Kyrie Irving has had big shots in the NBA Finals? Um, throughout his playoff life, when you go back to Cleveland, even we've seen it a little bit in this series with Indiana. And and now we're no longer talking about the off-court issues. We're no longer talking about the personalities or the way this team is going to gel together. We're talking about the Celtics now playing the one seed in the second round. And you know what? They could get back Marcus Smart. I, I know it, people are saying it's not likely. But you never know. You could get into games 5 or 6 in a second round series with Milwaukee and maybe Smart is ready to go. And maybe that gives the Celtics the same type of boost that it gave them last year against Milwaukee in the first round when Marcus Smart returned from an injury. It's just, the Celtics right now are the biggest story because of the way it looked in the regular season compared to the way it looks right now. It's like it's two different it's two different groups. It's two different groups. And I really think it just comes down to Kyrie Irving. I, I, Kyrie Irving, he has put his work boots on. He is focused on one thing, and that's a championship. And throughout an 82 game regular season, I don't I'm not so sure the focus was on that. You know, the focus was on a lot of other stuff. The focus was on apologizing to LeBron James and telling us about it. The focus was on his future. And whether or not he would sign an extension with the Celtics. The focus was on, you know, dealing with young kids, wanting to be a leader. Now you're in the playoffs and the focus is on on one thing. Go out and dominate. Go out and play the game. Go out and win a championship. And the fact that we're talking about the Celtics now and using the word win a championship with this team again feels good, doesn't it? Feels good. But this has been the problem with the Kyrie Irving situation is that I never wanted him to go anywhere. I never wanted the Celtics to not sign him. And I I, I don't know that Kyrie even understands this, but I think for the most part, the reason people are frustrated with Kyrie is because he has not committed to the Celtics. Everybody wants Kyrie Irving to commit to the Celtics. And you're seeing why in this first round series against Indiana. And you're going to see it in the second round against Milwaukee. And... I think the Celtics are going to beat Milwaukee. And I think you're going to see the Celtics put up a heck of a fight in the Eastern Conference Finals, either against Toronto or Philadelphia. Um, But this is why, you know, it was such a strange situation to be in. I know a lot of people in this town that were kind of like, you know, towards the end of the regular season, they're like, oh, Kyrie, just just goodbye. Like, we'll see you, you know? And I, I said... I said to them, I said, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. Kyrie can help this team win a championship every single year that he's he's around. So I don't want to get rid of him. Some people were so fed up with him that that they just they they threw up their hands and they said, good, see ya. Have fun in New York or have fun in LA or have fun wherever you want to go. You don't want to commit to us. You know, good, see ya. You know, I'm. I was never on board with that. I was frustrated with Kyrie, but I was never frustrated to the point where I'm like, "Good, see you later." I just wasn't. And and this is why, because when Kyrie Irving is leading this team, they are a better team. They are a better team. They are a championship contender. Did they get to Game Seven of the East Finals last year without him? Yeah. Did they have any chance to win a championship, even if they get got to the NBA Finals last year? No. If you add Kyrie to that team last year, maybe they do get to the NBA Finals. And maybe they do have a shot to beat Golden State with Kyrie. That's how good he is, especially in the playoffs. And when he doesn't have his best game, like you saw in Game 4 in Indiana, and you can have someone like Gordon Hayward step up and give you 20, you can have all these guys in double figures, and you are this deep And you now have playoff experience going deep into the playoffs with your young kids in Tatum and Brown and Rogier. I mean, and even the coach now with that playoff experience, this is a dangerous, dangerous Celtics team to the point where the biggest story I think right now, not only in this town, but I think in the league, you got a lot of people looking at the Celtics sweep in Indiana going, wait a minute, wait a minute. And maybe, you know what, Paul Pierce isn't one of them. Paul Pierce, he said on ESPN that he was taking the Celtics and the Houston Rockets in the NBA Finals. I think he picked Houston over the Celtics, but you know that will change if that actually is the matchup. Paul Pierce will, if the Celtics get to the NBA Finals, I think you'll get a lot of people thinking about picking them to win it. Even if it is against Golden State. Even if it is against Golden State. And isn't it incredible that we are even talking about this, given all the garbage that we talked about during the regular season? Does the regular season not matter? Well, it does matter. It's just that I, I think this was a special circumstance with regards to Kyrie's contract situation. If Kyrie was locked up for three more years, I don't think there would have been as much controversy. I don't. I really don't. I I think a lot of it came down to Kyrie's contract. And a lot of it comes down to in this town, we know how good Kyrie is. And we just want to see him commit to this team. And when he doesn't commit, and then there's reports that he's leaving, and then there's, you know, strange answers to questions about it. It can get frustrating as a fan. I never became frustrated to the point where I wanted him out. And I was done with Kyrie. But I, I can't deny, he was a tough guy to root for at times. But um, I think the toughest part about that is that you know when you get to this point, you need him. Because you know how good he is. And you're seeing that right now. And you're seeing how good the Celtics can be with Kyrie and Gordon Haywood in the playoffs. They showed it. They swept the paces. And now they're going to play Milwaukee, we all believe, in the second round. Uh, when that is official, I guess we'll do a little more in-depth preview on it. But I'll give you my early pick. Celtics going to beat Milwaukee. And I know the Greek freak is a guy that everybody is going to you know people are all over this guy because he they they you know they think he's the maybe the best player in the league look i'll tell you and i'm not just saying this cuz the Celtics are going to play him in the second round the greek freak is an athletic freak he is a great young player in this league um however You're going to see it again, much like you saw last year in the playoffs. And I don't, you know, I think they should start calling this. The guy literally travels every single time he touches the basketball. He does. People call him the Greek freak. Last year, I told you he should have a new nickname, the traveling freak. He travels every single time he gets the ball. And in the NBA, it's tough to sit here and argue. Who travels and who doesn't? You know, it is a league where everybody takes that extra, extra step, it seems, to get behind the three point line and take that shot, right? James Harden does it maybe better than anybody. But Giannis, when he, when he gets to the rim, you know, he. he it's always in the highlight reel. I mean, you turn on Sports Center, they, they have every Giannis drive to the, to the hoop for every game that he plays. But every time he drives to the hoop, he travels. He literally travels every single time. And I will be tweeting about this and yelling about this and it's going to happen again. I hope they call him for it. They won't though because he's such a star in the league. And, um, you know, I guess he's got a chance to go up against one of the other stars in Kyrie Irving and show him up. I think the thing that Milwaukee will have now, obviously that, that benefits them is home court. But, um, you know, It should be an interesting one. Again, a rematch from from last year's first round, and we'll see if Marcus Smart is, is ready to come back at some point during that series. I actually, I expect him to come back. I expect him to get back in it. I do. I expect Smart to come back, but we'll see. Uh, Celtics sweep the paces, and now they go on to the second round. The Bruins in the first round. I talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs and how unpredictable that is. The Bruins force a game seven. They go into Toronto. Now, the Bruins lost game five at home on Friday night, which was a game that had a lot of people complaining about goaltender in- interference. Here's what I'll say about that I do not think Tuca Rask was going to save that, anyways. So I think that the complaints about goaltender interference are just... I mean, I don't, he wasn't going to save it. He was, he was not going to stop that shot. Tuca going to his left. There was contact. Did it prevent him from getting over to where he wanted to be? Eh, was he going to stop that shot? Can you please just be realistic for a second? He was not going to stop that shot. Tuca was not going to stop that shot. So I have a tough time even wasting any time on goaltender interference. They lose Game 5 at home, but they go to Toronto on Sunday in Game 6, and they win 4-2. You know, the Bruins right now, at home in a Game 7, there's no way I'm going to bet against them in this one. Like, there's no way. I mean, I will not bet against the Bruins at home in a Game 7. I'm just not going to do it. In fact, I don't think I would bet against the home team in a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup playoffs ever. Not to say that there can't be an upset, and I can't be wrong, but because there have been times, right, where, where there have been upsets by the road team in a Game 7. It's happened. It's happened. We've seen one of the bigger ones, in which the Bruins went into Vancouver in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup final back in 2011 and beat the Canucks. But, uh, you know, the thing that scares me about this Toronto team is when I think big picture, it's like, is Toronto ready to make a run, right? Are they ready? Like, did they get the goaltender? They, they now have, you know, the young kids who have come up in the system that they drafted that uh, are all-star players, and, and, and they acquired a veteran all-star sentiment in Tavares. Like, is Toronto ready? If you're a Maple Leafs fan, you're going to, I think you're going to, you're going to find out Tuesday night, tomorrow night, game seven at the garden, because if Toronto is ready, they're going to go into the garden and win that game. And I guess that would be my fear. And that was kind of my fear coming into this series is that it's not necessarily a knock on the Bruins. I just think teams and organizations, they, at some point you have your time, you have your moment, right? At some point, your moment comes. You have it where all of a sudden you've arrived. All of a sudden, the things that you've built up from the ground in an organization that was struggling for so long, at some point you just find it. With young talent you drafted, and then you acquire other talent, and then you get a goaltender who's making glove saves like Anderson made against Bergeron the other day. I mean, they got the coach with the experience. Does Toronto, are They have they arrived? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Don't say they can't win a big one at the Garden. They did on Friday night. They did on Friday night. It was a 2-1 game. What did I tell you on Thursday? The Bruins are going to have to win the 2-1 game or the 1-0 game. And it might be Tuesday night they might have to win that one. Can they do it? Can they do it? And usually a win like that comes down to the goaltender. And <laughs> I think mean, here we go. Here we go, right? Um, but I think the thing that that scares me a little bit is... You know, is this is this Toronto's time? I mean, there have been moments, a lot of moments in this series where I'm looking at Toronto, going, ah, they might make a run. Like they might not just win this series; they might be the team that's winning the whole damn thing. Like I've felt that about Toronto in this series. When it when it comes, you know, you you check off all the boxes of what a team needs to have to have a championship run. But again, I I just think are they ready? Is Toronto ready? I think. I mean, we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out Tuesday night. I, I, I still have a tough time putting my money against a home team in a game seven, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bet the Bruins because even if they lose, I'm not going to regret that bet. The home team in a game seven, if the Bruins could play the way they played in Toronto, you know, um, right out of the gate, you know, uh, and you go back to Game Four. You know, if they could start like that, then. You know, I think the Bruins are going to run into the second round, but, and not to jinx them and look too far ahead, but this is kind of an opportunity you don't want to pass up if you're either team because your second round matchup is going to be against the eight seed. And I know you could say, well, why would you want to play the eight seed? They look so good against the one seed. It's like, well, who would you rather play? Tampa Bay or Columbus? Come on. Come on. You'd rather play Columbus, wouldn't you? So you got Columbus sitting there, the eighth seed, waiting for you in the second round. It's an opportunity you can't pass up. And you got this game at home. If you're the Bruins, it's like you got to take advantage of this. You got to. And, you know, this is probably going to be the game Tuesday night. We're on Wednesday, or or at least in my situation, on Thursday, Thursday's podcast. With the first round of the NFL draft on Thursday night, I'm considering waiting until Friday to give it a second podcast of this week. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. I'll give you an update there, at Danny Picard. But anyways, just in general, reactions in this town that people will have on Wednesday, a day day after Game 7, which is Tuesday night. I'll tell you the top story. And I don't know the result either way, but the top story is going to be Either Tuka Rask won, won a big one, won the big one for the Bruins, right? As they say. Or Tuka Rask shit his pants again. Either people will be done with Tuka Rask by Wednesday morning. Or they will be apologizing for maybe being a little too hard on Tuka. Now, maybe they won't apologize because they say, well, you got to, he's got to lead him to a cup, right? Tuka's got to hoist that cup as the starting goal. But uh, I think he'll be the story. I think it's going to come. That's what a game like this comes down to that. And, uh, you know, if he lets up three or four at home in a game seven, where you got Columbus sitting there waiting for you, the eight seed sitting there waiting for you in the second round, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people in this town. And um, so that'll be the story. Uh, That's what it will come down to. But my fear would be, again, that Toronto is primed and ready to make a run you know you saw them in in game 5 and it's just you know they do have all the pieces will they put it together on the road in a must win game 7 it's the most exciting part of any playoffs really a game 7 in the Stanley Cup playoffs and it's not the first time we'll see Toronto and the Bruins in a game 7 and certainly not at the TD Garden as we know so uh we'll be watching that on Tuesday and I'll react to it on the second podcast of this week, but I will not put my money against the home team in a Game 7. I will not put my money against the Bruins. Uh, you look down the Eastern Conference, uh, Washington and Carolina has maybe been the most exciting series. Oh, You know, I, just in general, I have found a lot of enjoyment in this Washington-Carolina series. <laughs> Dougie Hamilton, with former Bruin Dougie Hamilton, and somebody that I supported a lot But you will not see, you will never see. I don't think you'll ever see this again. Dougie Hamilton, in the last game, Carolina's last game against Washington, there was a puck late in the game behind his own net. I don't know if he thought it was an icing. I think that's the excuse that he thought it was an icing and he didn't go get it. And he saw he saw Ovechkin coming right, and instead of taking the hit, he just pulled up and didn't even go after the puck. (laughs) I mean, I don't even know how you show your face in in the dressing room after that one. And it turned, but it resulted in a goal. Ovechkin gets it, throws it out front. And then Brett Conley scored the goal. One of the more embarrassing moments that you'll see. I mean, I felt embarrassed for him to pull up, not go after that puck behind the net. He literally came to a complete stop about five feet away from the puck because he knew he was going to get crushed by Ovechkin in a race for the puck behind the net. I I mean, I can't even do a justice explaining it. you got to go watch it. But Washington leads that series 3-2. They're going to win that series. And then they will play the Islanders in the second round. The Islanders swept Pittsburgh. It's like a series. I, I don't even think I saw a second of this series. I didn't see a single. I didn't even see a highlight. The series was over before I saw a highlight. What happened to Pittsburgh? So the Islanders, now they're trying to figure out where are they going to play their second-round games, right? Because they got a couple of different arenas. But they I think they prefer to play them at the at the old Vaughn. I don't know that they're going to be doing that. But the Islanders are sitting there waiting. Probably will be Washington. And in that series, I'd take Washington. And it's like Washington, you, know, you look up at the top of the bracket, and the best team is gone in Tampa Bay. So uh, I'm sticking with my Washington pick. I pick Washington to repeat and win the Cup again, and I'm sticking with it. Now, over in the West... You got Dallas leads Nashville. Uh, by the time you listen to this, maybe Dallas wins that series. I would expect Nashville... Here's what actually one thing I've noticed about Nashville. I've watched a couple of these games. Um, and the games in Nashville, the crowd wasn't the same. Nah, there was a... I don't know if it was just hangover city in Nashville and everybody was... Everybody was a little a little quiet and a little hungover, but it just wasn't the same buzz in Nashville. I and mean, they lose that buzz, you know, they lose that they didn't get that taste of the cup. Did they lose that? Eh. Something missing with Nashville. I don't know if that's just it. But Dallas, Dallas looks good. Dallas looks good. Rajilov, Ben, Sagan. Uh d- Dallas looks good. I, I don't know that Dallas is gonna blow this three two lead. Whoever wins that series, Dallas and Nashville, will play St. Louis. St. Louis beat Winnipeg in the first round. It's kind of a bummer for me. I was I was rooting for Winnipeg to maybe win the cup if the Bruins didn't win it. Because friend of the show, Kevin Hayes, uh, we wanted him to hoist it and then bring it bring the cup in here. So I could hoist it. So for, <laughs> for selfish reasons, I'm a little unhappy that St. Louis has beaten Winnipeg. But St. Louis is sitting... They're waiting for the winner of Dallas and Nashville. And then I told you Colorado upset Calgary. Colorado will play the winner of San Jose and Vegas. San Jose with a double overtime goal on the penalty kill. Uh, That's a shot that has to be stopped, has to be saved. But uh, San Jose forces a game seven. I am rooting for Joe Thornton. I'm root. I'm officially rooting for Joe Thornton in the West. Now that Kevin Hayes and Winnipeg's eliminated, Joe Thornton, I'm rooting for the Sharks to beat Vegas. Vegas had their little run last year. I'm rooting for San Jose game seven in their own building. I will not bet against them and I'll be rooting for Joe Thornton. And then they get the eighth seed, which maybe will put San Jose in the Western conference finals. And if that I'm rooting for San Jose now in the West, you know, obviously my number one's the Bruins and I'd like to see the Bruins win the cup, obviously. But if that does not happen for the Bruins, And now because Kevin Hayes has been eliminated, my rooting interest is for Joe Thornton. I want to see Joe Thornton hoist that cup over his head. Come on. How can you not see Jumbo Joe hoist the cup at some point? So uh, that's what we got with the playoffs. Anything that happens the rest of the week, I will certainly react to it on the second podcast of this week. But also over the weekend, we had some interesting baseball going down in Tampa Bay. Because the Red Sox sweep the Rays, and it's obviously the best weekend of the regular season that the Red Sox have had to this point. A three-game sweep of Tampa Bay, and not just a three-game sweep, but I think the way that they did it, right? These were not easy games. These were not blowout wins. These were nail-biters. Now, they might not have seemed like nail-biters because you might not have been really watching and on the edge of your seat, because it is baseball in April, but also it's baseball in April while we have the Celtics and the Bruins playing at in playoff games at the same time. And so, I mean, you might not be fully invested in this, so I, maybe nail-biter is, is a strong way to describe what was happening in Tampa Bay. But it, But just when you just look at Major League Baseball and just look at the Red Sox and just look at their terrible start to the season, you know, the way they won these games – The fact that they won three straight after the way they've started is pretty impressive, but the way they won these games is even more impressive. You got the, like I said, three-game sweep, but on Saturday, a walk-off pickoff by Christian Vasquez behind home plate, little outside pitch, and then he throws it down to first base and picks the guy off at first to win the game in the ninth inning, to win the game. (laughs) I mean, it's a great way to win the game. And then, on Sunday, you got some small ball in 11 innings. In 11 innings. Sox win in 11 innings on Sunday. Now, David Price got the start on Sunday. He struck out 10 guys in 5 innings. Obviously, you'd like to see him go more than 5 innings, but the pitch count was high. He did strike out 10. Another great performance from David Price. He has been the team's best pitcher, and, and because of that, maybe you could say the team's best player this season. But David Price was great again on Sunday. But the, it took 11 innings to win this game for the Red Sox because in the 11th, the top of the 11th, it was the definition of small ball, something you do not see in Major League Baseball anymore. It's a It was a beautiful thing. I thought it was awesome to watch. Awesome to watch. Now, I am somebody that does not want a pitch clock in baseball. Uh, I am somebody does not, I do not want to change any of the rules in the game. I, I do not want robot umpires. I enjoy a little small ball and especially enjoy a little small ball from the Red Sox to win a game in extra innings on the road. It was great. Top of the 11th. Rafael Devers bloop single. Michael Chavis walks. All right. First and second. Jackie Bradley Jr. lays down a bunt to the third base side. Sack bunt. He's out at first. runners is advanced to second and third. Christian Vasquez, sacrifice fly to deep right center. And the Red Sox took a 4-3 lead. So um, to win a game like that, like you don't see small ball like that anymore. You just don't see it. And I, I think when you break down the way this Red Sox season has begun and how awful it has been... To win a couple close games in which you close it now. I think we're calling Ryan Brazier to close it, right? Brazier, three saves this weekend. Uh to finish this thing out with some small ball to get the bunt down, to advance the runners to second and third, to get the sack fly to the outfield and score the game winning run, and then get the save by Brazier. You know, it's a great way to do it. It really is a great way to do it. And um, you know, there's just there's so much news with this Red Sox team. Like, I know it seems all good, and I'm making it sound all good, but it might not be all good. Nathan Ivaldi might have to get surgery on his elbow. By the time you listen to this, maybe you find out if he's going to get surgery or not. But Ivaldi might have surgery on his elbow, which could put him out a couple months, which is not good news. For a team that needs starting pitching, that has struggled with their starting pitching, they need someone like Nathan Ovaldi. Nathan Ovaldi had a nice start against the Yankees in a loss against the Yankees in the last series before Tampa. What do you go? Six innings? Um, three, three hits? I mean, Ovaldi was good, but now something's up with that elbow. He might need surgery, and that's terrible news. That's terrible news. Think about how big Ivaldi was for this team last year. Um... You got Chris Sale tonight on this Monday night. And again, by the time you listen to this, that, that stop might be over. But this is such a huge start for this team. We could talk about the three-game sweep in Tampa and the way they won it with some small ball and the way they won close games. We could talk about that all we want. But as I said last week, and I will say it again, if, if Chris Sale goes out tonight against Detroit, the Red Sox begin a 10-game homestand tonight. All right, they'll play Detroit. Then they'll play Tampa Bay and then they'll play the Athletics. They'll play Oakland. 10-game homestand. They, it begins with a four-game series against Detroit, and Chris Sale is on the mound to begin this series. It's going to be raining tonight. Will they even get it in? They might not get it in. They, they, or a delay or something. Um, but Chris Sale, if he goes out in this first game against Detroit, and he shits the bed, what's he? 0-4 with an ERA over 8. He's been awful... I guess it, it it looks like it's going in the right direction where his velocity is up, but he just didn't have his location in his last outing. If he could just put it all together, then he should be good to go. But until we see that he's good to go, Chris, until Chris Sale dominates, there's still going to be something missing with this team. And they can win three straight in Tampa all they want, and they can win close games on the road all they want. But you get the Nathan of all the injury, And if Chris Sale struggles again in this one, then this team will... I cannot sit here and say the Red Sox are back. I will not be able to sit here and say the Red Sox are back until Chris Sale dominates. This is his team. He's the captain of this team. I know momentum in baseball is only as good as your next day's starting pitcher, but Chris Sale is their ace. I don't care how good David Price is right now. This is Chris Sale's team. And if he goes out there and continues to struggle, there's just going to be something missing. You know, people don't have answers to that. Is he injured? I mean, if he's out there throwing 96-97 in his last start, I wouldn't say he's injured. And if he was injured, I don't think he'd be pitching. I think they'd put him on the DL or something. So, I as good as it was in Tampa Bay, as happy as I was to see some small ball, I cannot sit here and tell you that the Red Sox are back until I see Chris Sale dominate. Will we see it tonight against Detroit? Well, we'll have to wait and see, um, but that—that's just some of the news. The other news is that you did see Michael Chavis get called up. He started at second base on Sunday after a big pinch hit double on Saturday. That pinch hit double by Chavis was—he replaced Sandy Leon, um, put it deep to the outfield. It was in the ninth inning. It advanced the runner to third, which led to a Andrew Benatendi sack fly that put the Red Sox up 6-5. Benatendi also had a grand slam in that game on Saturday. But Chavis had a big hit. The one thing that I will never understand. Like, you have people right now that wanted Chavis to replace Rafael Devers at third base. Which is just stupid. Which is an overreaction of epic proportions. I mean... Rafael Devers, has the start to his season been great? No. But, I mean, has the start to the season for anybody for the Red Sox been great? No. Devers is in diapers, still. I think Devers has proven that he is capable of the big hit in a big spot. He is not somebody that feels any type of pressure as young as he might be. And it's a long season to sit here in late April and go on a message board or jump on Twitter or call into a sports talk radio show and say, ah, they got to call up Chavis to replace Devers at third base. You're an idiot. If you feel that way, you're an idiot. And I'm not knocking Chavis. You want to put him at second base? Go ahead. You want to tell Dustin Pedroia he's done? Go ahead. Play him at second. But don't play him at third. Don't take out Devers at third. That's just stupid. That's idiotic. For anybody to sit there have watched Devers the last year and a half and go, this is a kid we need to give up on right now. For a kid who's never proved himself in Major League Baseball is one of the more idiotic things I've ever heard. Honestly, it's one of the more idiotic takes and opinions I've ever heard. It's stupid. It's an overreaction of epic proportions. If you want to put Chavis at second base, go ahead, do it. He had a big hit Saturday. Um, You know, I, I think that he had a big, you could say he had a big walk. Out of that small ball 11th inning on Sunday, but don't take out Devitt. Don't, <laughs> don't give up on Devers for a kid that you know nothing about. That's just stupid. You know, I could see if Devis was in the league five, six years and it just never panned out. That's one thing. Devers is still improving, he's still learning. His defense at times is shaky, but there are still times he makes turns a big double play. We saw that over the weekend. Don't give up on Devas. You give up on Devas, you're an idiot. That's the way I feel. That's the way I feel. Cause st- You know what? Stick to your message. Stick to your little anonymous message boards. But the fact that you would tweet out, oh, a lot of people feel like they want to give up on Devas. Don't read a message board and then categorize that as a lot of people. I just don't think that's real life. And you could say, well, Danny, then maybe are you just arguing? Are you making the straw man argument? Well, I mean, I don't know. It was tweeted out. And I'm just sitting here to tell you, if you want to give up on Devas for a kid that you know nothing about, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. That's that's how I feel about that. But um, if you want to put Chavis at second base, be my guest. Be my guest. Be my guest. Play him at first. I don't care. I mean, on nights that obviously you got to keep Morland in the lineup. Mauley is is crushing it. Um, but I'm just saying, don't take out Devas for Chavis, please. Don't do it. Red Sox sweep the Rays. Uh, there was another story on Sunday. Uh, the Rays starter got yanked early and he was just crying. It literally, I think in tears on the dugout. Um, you know, Hey, it happens. It's a bad decision. Manager made a bad decision, but I think the reaction from the pitcher was weird. Reaction from the pitcher was strange. You would have thought that he just lost game seven of the world series. Take it easy. Take it easy. Uh, but we'll move on from the Red Sox. But a, Big weekend. I don't think anyone can deny that. We'll see. Again, it comes down to Chris Sale, right? I mean, if Chris Sale stinks up the joint tonight, there are going to be concerns on Tuesday with this team. And we won't even think about the Tampa Bay series anymore. So, Chris Sale, tonight is tonight. Chris Sale can officially turn this Red Sox season around with a dominant performance against the Tigers. And then on Thursday, we got the NFL Draft. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Round one Thursday night in primetime is, you know, they do this whole primetime Thursday night special now. And then you got rounds two and three on Friday and then rounds four through seven on Saturday. So uh, you look at the Patriots, the local perspective here is that the New England Patriots, the Super Bowl champion Patriots who have lost a good amount of impact players this offseason uh, They lost Trey Flowers, they lost Trent Brown, you lose Rob Gronkowski, though you know I believe that Gronk is going to come back at some point, but anyways, you still have to prepare for the Patriots as if he's not coming back. That's how you need to go into the draft. As much as you think there might be a chance to get Gronk back at some point later in the season, even if even if there's some crazy conspiracy behind the scenes secret plan, and you know Gronk is coming back. You still have to prepare for the draft as if he's not, right? You do. You have to prepare as if he's not. Now, the Patriots have 12 picks. That has to be the most, right? I I don't actually know if this is the most, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it is. 12 picks has to be the most in the draft this year. Who has more than 12 picks? I feel like if we knew another team that had more than 12 picks, we would hear about this. We don't. I haven't heard about it. Patriots have 12 picks. They have a first round at 32 overall. They have two second rounders. Uh, They have three third rounders. They have a fourth. They do not have a fifth, though that could change as we know. Probably will change as we know. They have one sixth, and they have four seventh round picks. So, (sighs) 12 picks. (laughs) I'm willing to bet that Maybe by the time we get to Saturday, we're going to be looking at this going, the Patriots have 14 or 15 picks in this year's draft, which again is going to have to be the most. I don't know that as a fact, but it's got to be the most. If the Patriots do make their first round pick, which is 32 overall, which I don't know that they're going to do. In fact, if I had a bet, I'd bet that they move out of that spot to get, to get a fourth, third rounder and then to maybe get a, to get it an extra fourth or maybe get into the fifth, right? They might be sitting there going, oh, we don't have a fifth-round pick. How could we get a fifth-round pick? All right, well, let's trade our first-round pick for a— let's trade our first-rounder for an earlier third and a fifth. <laughs> like, I could see that. Or maybe a first-round pick for a late second-rounder and a fifth. I could see that. You know, if they do make their 32nd overall pick, if the Patriots do make their first-round pick, I expect them to go with a lineman. I, they're not going to go with a wide receiver. They're not going to go, you know, we they've got the running back. They're certainly not going with a QB. Um, I don't think they're in tight end. You're going to see the popular opinion and the popular mock draft that we're going to see from all the experts as they sit there. and I'm, Look, I'm not a mock draft guy. I'm not sitting here doing a mock draft. I will never be that guy. I just have no interest in it. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. The last thing on my mind is sitting here doing a mock draft. I just have no interest. I'll let other people do that work. I'm not doing it. Um, You know, I, I think it's a waste of my time because how many people actually get it right? And then next thing you know, the draft is over. It's next week. And you sit there and you have to go, wow, I wasted my time doing a mock draft when I got none of it right ever. So what's the point? But I, I mean, I, I obviously do have opinions on some of the teams. I think it's easier to predict if you're looking at a team with, let's say, a, a a top three pick, right? Arizona's got the number one overall pick. I think it's easy to look at them and their needs and the players available, and 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 go out and and see what what they could go get, uh, unless you want to talk about. Them trading out of that spot. San Francisco, number two overall. The Jets, number three overall. The Raiders, number four overall. Followed by Tampa Bay at five. The Giants at six. The Jaguars at seven. The Lions at eight. The Bills at nine. Denver at ten. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to read you the whole list. You can go find it if you really want. But <sighs> the Patriots, 32 overall. If they make the pick, they're going to go lineman, I think. And I think with you know the loss of Trey Flowers. Might be easy for us to sit here and go, yeah, they'll go after a defensive lineman. I just don't think they're going to do that. I think when you look at losing Gronk, combined with losing your start and left tackle, I don't think if you're the Patriots, like, the, the NFL analyst and the NFL expert will look at that and they'll go, oh, you know, the Patriots are going to go out and get a tight end because they also need another receiver. Chris Hogan went to Carolina. Um, you know, they need another receiver, uh, you know, they're going to go get a tight end who can catch the football, who's going to help their offense as a receiver. I don't think the Patriots look at it like that. I think the Patriots will look at Gronk. If you saw the way Gronk was used last year, especially late in the season, then I think you got an idea as to what the Patriots might feel they need to do if they are making early picks in this year's draft. And it's the offensive line. Because they're probably looking at losing Trent Brown, their left tackle. Losing Rob Gronkowski, their top tight end. And I don't think they're thinking passing game. I think they're thinking run game. They're thinking offensive line. They're thinking... We just lost not a starting left tackle and a tight end. We lost two offensive linemen. Like, I think that's the way they're going to look at it. And because of that, I think that they will take an offensive lineman with 32 overall if they make that pick. You know, Gronk was such a big part to the run game, uh, to to the blocking on, on that unit up front, that you know i I don't think he i know he started to get some credit for it, but I still don't think he gets enough credit for it, especially you look at it in the Super Bowl you know he made that catch, which turns out to be that the last catch the last pass he caught uh if he does if he does really stay retired, but it set them up for a a touchdown run that that you know Gronk was out there putting blocks on it It's just you lose Gronk and Trent Brown I think the Patriots are gonna look at this and go wow, we, we lost two offensive linemen. More than they're going to look at it and go, we lost an offensive lineman and a tight end. And if they're looking at it like I think they will and say we lost two offensive linemen, I think they're going to lean offensive linemen at 32 overall if they even make the pick. But like I said, I could see them trading out. When they have two second rounders, I could see them getting out of 32. Maybe they get a higher third round, an early third rounder with a 5th rounder, and maybe another 7th. Like, I could see them doing that. I really could. I could see them moving out of that spot. You know, some people might say, will they trade that 32 overall pick to get Josh Rosen if Arizona, at number 1 overall, is going to take Kyle Murray, Is Arizona going to take Kyle Murray? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I'm Arizona... Man, I, I guess I just don't know enough... I, I still feel like the sample size on Josh Rosen is small. They would know more than me. Obviously, they see the kid at practice every day. I don't know enough about Rosen. I do know that if you trade him right now and you get a first-round pick, that wouldn't be a terrible return. Um, But it is giving up on a kid pretty early, isn't it? For a Kyla Murray that Is there any guarantee that Kyler Murray is going to be an elite quarterback in the National Football League? I know some people use his height, and they compare him to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has signed a new big contract with Seattle. But, I mean, I don't know. There's no guarantee. And to me, there's no guarantee that Kyler Murray even stays in the NFL. He's got this whole baseball thing still hanging over his head. I don't think we've heard the last of that. You see some of the money being dished out in Major League Baseball. Is the risk going to be too great for Arizona to get rid of Josh Rosen and and draft Kyla Murray? And if they do take that risk and they draft Kyla Murray and they're going to have to trade Josh Rosen, are the Patriots a team that should be interested given Tom Brady's window? Well, we'll see. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Patriots are going to look at that and go, yeah, let's trade a first-round pick for Tom Brady's successor. I don't think they're going to do that. I, I think if they take a quarterback... They could take one this year, but I think they take them in the fourth round. Maybe they get a fifth round pick in a trade and they take them in the fifth. Maybe they take them in the sixth. Like I I think that's where the Patriots go with that. I do not think they trade for Josh Rosen. I don't think they if they do that, they get nuts. I do not think the Patriots will get nuts. I don't. Will Arizona get nuts? Maybe. Maybe they'll get nuts. I would keep an eye on teams like Oakland, who have You know, you look at Oakland's picks. They got multiple first-round picks. They got 24, and they have number four. So they have four and 24. I'd keep an eye on them. Um, You know, other teams with multiple, I guess, multiple early picks. Uh, Who do we got here? The Giants have 17, and they have six. You know, they could get nuts, maybe, and move up. You could see that uh, with maybe with San Fran, maybe San Fran's there at number two, you know, w- wanted to reach out to Oakland or wanted to reach out to the Giants. Maybe that's what Arizona does. Maybe Arizona's teasing the Kyle Murray stuff and, and maybe they give a call to the Giants. You know, the Giants, if the Giants are serious about a quarterback, then the Giants should be talking to Arizona. You know, that's the team that should be talking to the Cardinals, whether it's for Josh Rosen or whether it's for trading up. You know, you have the Giants. You got six overall and you got 17 overall. That's the team that should be talking to Arizona to either trade for Josh Rosen or trade up to get Kyla Murray. And maybe this Kyla Murray stuff, if you're Arizona, has all been about trade value for this number one overall pick. Maybe that's what it's been. We'll see. But uh that's the NFL draft. You know, it is Thursday night. Again, I haven't made the decision if I'm going to wait until Friday. I probably, probably will wait until Friday after the NFL draft, after the first round of the NFL draft to react to whatever happens because you know there's going to be you know there's going to be something with, with a couple teams there in the top 10 that have multiple first round picks. You got quarterbacks being talked about being traded. You know, I I just think something nuts is going to happen with somebody. Either somebody's trading up, getting nuts and trading up, or somebody's getting nuts and like Arizona and, and, and taking Kyle Murray one overall. So whatever happens there, I will be back later this week to react to it, but a busy time in the sports world. Did I miss anything? What did I miss? I'm not going to get, I know, you know, the Danny Amendola Instagram stuff. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, Julian Edelman had some advice for Danny Amendola, who's who's venting about his breakup. Julian Edelman with some advice. Get off Twitter. Thanks. <laughs> I think you should get off. Excuse me. He said, I think you should get off Instagram. Thanks. All right. It was on Instagram. Yeah. Uh though if you're Julian Edelman, why do you have to post that? Why don't you just text him? That's the world we live in, though. Everybody wants everybody to see what you're doing. I kind of feel like I'm the opposite. I want, I, I, it's it's funny, too. Danny Amendola, like, part of his rant on his Instagram about his breakup was that his, now his ex girlfriend wanted to be in the public spotlight. And Danny Amendola didn't want that. Yet Danny Amendola's airing it all out in the public. It kind of contradicts himself. But, you know, it's his business. It's just now everybody knows his business because he's the one who put it out there. He should take Edelman's advice. He should probably delete his Instagram account immediately. But uh, I'm not going to really dip into that any further. So we'll keep our eye on the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the Major League Baseball season, and, of course, the NFL draft. I'll react to all of that later this week. Get this show at Podcast One. Also on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I'm on there. I'm not venting the way that Danny Amendola is, and I probably never will. But um, you can still follow me on up for updates on this show at the very least. So do that. Subscribe. Hit the follow button. Have a great week. I will talk to you later this week. Enjoy the NFL draft. See you.